Glad you could join us for another episode of Cranford Radio. My name is Bernie Wagonblast. Well, I've been doing these podcasts since 2014, and this is the first time I've ever interviewed someone else who does a podcast. My guest is Cranford resident, Nuthan Rubinson. Nuthan, thanks so much for joining me here on Cranford Radio. Thank you for having me, and I did not know this fact, so now I'm like super excited. <laughs> Well, we'll talk a little inside podcasting stuff as we get into the podcast, but you are the host of a brand new podcast called The Acknowledgements. And rather than me explaining it, why don't you tell me the premise of what The Acknowledgements is all about, if you would, please? I would love to. So The Acknowledgements podcast is a podcast where every episode I interview a different author. And we kind of start off talking about the premise of the book but then jump right into who they acknowledged in the back of their book and kind of start just that discussion and dialogue and talk about how what they put in the acknowledgments ties back to them as a reader and a writer, to the plot line of their story, to even the characters in their books. And I feel like we just end up talking about those authors as just regular people as well. Have you ever been an author? I have not. But I am a self-proclaimed book-obsessed person. <laughs> now, when you read the acknowledgments, sometimes they're in the front of the book, sometimes they're in the back of the book. Do you read that before you start reading the main part of the book? Bernie, that's such a good question. It's so funny. It's like it's like when some people want to get to the end of a book to like see what happens at the end. That's how I feel about the acknowledgments that I want to read them because I'm so curious, but I will always read the book first because there's something about reading the story, whether it's fiction or nonfiction or any genre, and then reading the acknowledgments. And then it just like up levels my curiosity about what the author was talking about there. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you sort of a related question. Have you ever been acknowledged in acknowledgments? I have not. As far as I know, I have not. So, and it, it's funny you say that. I was in the the library the other day, the Cranford Library, which is one of my favorite places in town, and talking to one of the librarians there. And I was telling her about this and how I started this podcast. And she excitedly told me that she was acknowledged in one of these books. And the book was written by an author who actually used to come to the library. It was a different library mm -hmm. um, where she worked. And the author thanked the librarians for kind of giving her the encouragement and the space. And I loved that because very often in the acknowledgments, you see the editor and the publisher and such, which of course they do a tremendous amount to get the book to where it is. But sometimes there's these little pieces that are just so fascinating. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you, and you might have to think about this, so uh, we can even come back to it later if you need to think about it. But if you were to write acknowledgments for your life, who might you acknowledge and for what? You know what's funny, Bernie? I don't have to think about it. And the reason why is because when I was creating my website for the acknowledgments, I ended up, and this actually just happened like a few weeks before it launched, I ended up adding a section that was about my acknowledgments. And I literally say in there, here are my acknowledgments. I'm not an author. But what I realized is how hard it is. Like, it, that's a really hard job to sit there and think about 
who you're thankful for. But I did that. And who I who I really thanked is I started off with, you know, my family, the family I was born into, the family I was married into, and just extended family. And and I really say that from a place of I, I happen to come from family of readers. Everyone reads, everyone reads something different. And I think that just influenced me to always be a reader. The other groups that I thank are the authors, of course, for just giving me personally this space where I read when I'm happy, when I'm sad, when I'm busy, when I'm bored, in just every part of my world I'm I'm reading. And I'm so thankful that there's such talent out there that can write these stories that I'm just totally inspired by. I also thank my community, which is my book community. And so much of that is in Cranford or people I met through Cranford, where we will talk about books, go to bookstores together, argue about books all the time, (laughs) talk about, you know, what you're reading, what's next, what you're listening to. And it's fun to have so much of that where we're reading all the same things sometimes, but have totally different perceptions of it and get to talk about it. I love that so much. And then I think um, three friends of mine who, when I kept talking about this podcast idea for years and years, showed up two years ago to, you know, take me out to dinner for my birthday. And I open up my present and it's a microphone, it's the headphones and really them trying to say, all right, we've taken that barrier away. What are you going to do now? And um, I'm so lucky for all of that. I know you've asked this question of the authors that you've interviewed, but I'm curious to hear about it from your perspective. Do you prefer old school books on paper, electronic on a Kindle type device, or audiobooks where you can listen to it? All three. I mean, where I kind of land a lot is just with a physical book because I I love that. And, and that's one of the reasons I like love the library, just being surrounded by all of those books. Um, I also find it sometimes easier to like jump back and forth in a physical book where I'm like, wait, what happened back there? Or who is that person, that character? So that is definitely where I, where I go, but I love the technology of being able to throw my Kindle into my bag and Hey, I have a few minutes at Memorial field before these sports start. And I can just start, you know, reading a little bit. And I love audiobooks. Um, and I'd say that's really new to me in the last couple of years because when I'm, you know, doing stuff around the house or going for a walk, I can listen to it. And then also I feel like there's such talented narrators mm-hmm. out there that just give it a whole new life, um, which I appreciate as well. As I think I've mentioned, I'm a bit biased toward audio and I love audiobooks and I'm in awe of the people who narrate these audiobooks because it's one person and they're playing all of the characters. So they may have to be male, female, young, old, different accents. And on top of that, there may be a character who's in the first chapter who doesn't appear again until the eighth chapter. And they have to remember how that person sounds and be able to switch back and forth. Now, I'm sure they do a fair amount of editing, but still, The work that goes into that, to me, is amazing. It really is. And actually, it's funny because the one that I just finished listening to is called The Lindbergh Nanny. And it was really interesting because I knew the general premise of the Lindbergh baby kidnapping, but this was all from the nanny's perspective, you know, who at some points was like kind of accused and vilified um, 
people thinking that she had something to do with it. And yes, the whole time, all of these different accents, because many of the people that worked with the Lindbergh family were from different countries Mm -hmm. and she'd have to do, the narrator had to do the different accents and everything. So yes, totally impressed. And it, it really just, as I said, just brings a whole new life to it. Well, let me in on, let you in on a little secret. I narrated a foreword for a book for Penguin Random House a number of years ago. This is the easiest way in the world to ever get credited as an author. So if you go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com or Audible and you type my name in under authors, I get credited as an author, which I didn't have to write a word. I just had to read. <laughs> and you I might have to look into this, Bernie. it's a great way to become an author without having to write (laughs) (laughs) I love it and I was fortunate it was just one person's voice that I had to do so you know I don't know what he sounded like I used pretty much my own voice and just tried to be expressive in what he was saying if it was something funny or something serious or whatever it might be but it was a, a very interesting experience I had to go into New York to Random House and to be in a studio where I had a director and an engineer that were recording it. And you record it on where you're reading from, I should say, is sort of like a Kindle type device because they don't want to hear the pages rustling. So as you flip the pages, and again, obviously they edit it to make all the mistakes come out and such. But it was a very fascinating process to see how that all works. I feel like I need to like add that on my bucket list now, but um, to, to have some kind of narration. But it's it's funny, I've actually been thinking about it a lot as I've, you know, even been on social media and seen narrators coming through as their own personality in a way mm-hmm. that people are following narrators now that you'll listen to a book and love how it was narrated and then try to follow that person. And I think that's so interesting. That's such an interesting way to now look for books on who's narrating it, because it definitely is a skill set. And I have to also admit to something that I found very interesting. The first person that you interviewed, I believe, was Robin Geigel, who I also had interviewed on Cranford Radio Podcast. And I listened to the audiobook version of both of her books. And there are some male characters in both of the books that are the bad guys. Let's put it that way. And when the narrator does their voices, I was listening to another book by another narrator, another author. And when she was narrating the male parts, I couldn't get out of my head, even though these weren't bad guys, that these were somehow bad guys because it it just reminded me of the characters that I heard the other narrator do. That's so interesting, like how we're influenced differently, right? When we're hearing it versus when you're reading it and you're kind of putting the voices along with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in both cases, it was being done by a female narrator. So it was not necessarily authentically male, but there was sort of the same style that each one of them used when they were narrating male parts. And I just thought that was, was very interesting. Sure. Let me ask you now a little bit about podcasting. You've done at released at least two episodes. You probably have more that are getting ready to be released. What's some of your biggest surprises that you found about podcasting? Uh, so, you, you know what, Bernie, I will tell you, this was an idea for years and years. 
But then, you know, two years ago when I got the equipment, I was like, all right, let me go. The biggest surprise is how much you can do with it because you can keep it small, right? There's the, oh, I'm just going to interview a bunch of people and record it and throw it on somewhere. But it's so much bigger than that in just thinking about the marketing aspect and social media and podcasting platforms to thinking about what kind of equipment do you need? And that was really all the logistics. Then there was the piece about, wait, I need to talk to authors and how to find them and who I want to talk to, what questions I'm going to ask them. And that really was where my community came in. All four of the first interviews that you'll be hearing were all connected to me in some way. A friend saying, oh, I know this author or taking me in Robin's case, you know, someone taking me to the book reading. And honestly, kind of being brave and coming out of um, my comfort zone and writing and emailing authors and saying, hey, this is what I'm doing. There's nothing you can listen to yet. And are you going to take this jump with me? And every single person has. And I just find that so amazing. And a lot of people, including Robin, came from it being like, I love acknowledgments too. I didn't know anyone else (laughs) reads them. And being excited about that aspect of it. Because I do know there's tons of amazing book podcasts out there. And I'm hoping that this kind of spin on it will just be interesting to people, give them something else to look at a different perspective. Let me also ask you about, in terms of podcasting, you do yours where there is also video recorded so that someone can watch it as well as just listen to it. I've only listened to your two podcasts so far. I have not watched other than just some brief segments just to get a little bit of a feel for it. Do you find that that affects at all how the podcast runs, the fact that you're you're videotaping? And in particular, I know from doing just the audio, and this is, again, a little bit of a philosophy because I've talked with other podcasters about this. I tend to be fairly conservative, I guess would be the word, in terms of my editing, where I will edit out a lot of the ums and the uhs and the you knows and those types of things that we all do as we're trying to think about what we're going to say. And with video, that's not as easy to do, is it? Correct. Yeah. And it's funny because when I first started, I, I gave each author the choice, you know, kind of what was comfortable for them. So actually the the next interview will not be available on video. It's going to be on the audio. So the reason I like it is because I think there can sometimes be a different level of connection. Mm-hmm. The part that's difficult, at least from my perspective, is sometimes I get in my head of it being in video and it kind of just adds this unnecessary pressure. But yeah, it's that component of also the editing. And what I realized quickly after I first started doing these interviews and then had to really look at that transcript and decide, you know, how do we cut this down? We can't, I can't post something that's, you know, an hour and a half. And listening to myself, or I think anyone listening to themselves is really hard. That was a huge barrier for me. I'd start listening. I'm like, oh, I cannot do this. I caught every single filler word. I was like, why do I say so, so much? (laughs) And, you know, we're so self-critical. And that was a really huge barrier for me. And one that one day I finally just went to track five put in the headphones and sat and listened to myself. I listened to two episodes that day and then really kind of did that editing. 
But you're right, the, the video adds a whole other level of even self-criticism. That's hard. I had a friend come up to me. She's like, oh, I listened to the podcast. Well, actually, I watched the YouTube. And I was like, oh, really? I haven't even watched the YouTube. <laughs> Are there some authors that you really would love to interview that would be on your bucket list of authors you would love to talk to? Oh, so many. But, you know, I think my my next what I would love is interviewing a South Asian author. Mm-hmm. And, and I say that because I feel like over the last couple of years that there's been so many South Asian authors that have written these amazing books. I'm South Asian, I'm Indian. And when I started reading them, it made me identify with them in a amazing way. And it wasn't always necessarily my story, right? It never will be. But reading a book by a South Asian author, especially Indian, who's, you know, talking about foods that their parents are making them. And seeing that in print is just this amazing thing. Because when I was growing up, I wasn't reading any South Asian authors. I I don't know if they were there or they were hidden. But now for it to be so accessible and read so many things that I can identify with, I'd say that's kind of next on my my list of reaching out to some of those authors and seeing if they'd be willing to talk to me. Is there a particular genre of books that you're particularly attracted to? There isn't. I actually... um, I love reading so many different things. And it's even thinking about my first four interviews, they're so different from each other. And I love that. I think that that's actually one thing I would love for listeners to get out of the Acknowledgements podcast is, hey, maybe I'm going to try this book that I never would have picked up before and just give it a try. And maybe that'll just like kind of open up this world. So I do read everything. I, I try to, throw in. Uh, my, I probably tend towards fiction, kind of coming of age type of stories, but I like to throw in a lot of different things like those, you know, mysteries. I will throw in the beach reads. I love historical fiction. I try to put in some nonfiction in there as well. So yeah, a little a little bit of everything. I think that's why people love book clubs is mm-hmm. also because you're you're reading something that you normally wouldn't just pick up from the library or the bookstore. Well, we've been talking on this episode of Cranford Radio with Nuthan Rubinson. She is the creator and host of The Acknowledgements. And of course, if you check the show notes, you will find how to listen to The Acknowledgements. And I certainly encourage you to do that. There's some great interviews I've heard so far, and I'm looking forward to hearing future interviews. Nuthan, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Thank you. I appreciate it. This was really fun to be on the other side of the table.